0: Hello and welcome to Mother Bodies, the podcast about health after birth and why it matters. I'm your host, Rosie Taylor. I'm a health journalist and I'm also a mum. In this series, I'm asking some brilliant, wise and witty guests to share their thoughts on how the politics of postnatal health affects us all and the big ideas which could change our lives for the better. Most importantly, we'll also be sharing our own stories of health and recovery after birth and our honest experiences of motherhood. That's because it's only by sharing our stories that we can empower each other to ensure we all know what to expect and to make sure we all get the care and support we need, both after birth and throughout motherhood. This is Mother Bodies. Today I am delighted to be speaking to one of my podcast idols, Helen Ledwick is the host of Why Mums Don't Jump, an award-nominated podcast about prolapse, incontinence, pelvic pain and all the stuff that can happen to your pelvic floor after you have a baby. Helen has a prolapse herself and she speaks frankly on her podcast about what it's like and the treatments she's tried for it, including even taking a podcast recorder into a pessary fitting session. Helen's background is in broadcast journalism and she lives in Manchester here in the UK with her husband and two children. Helen, welcome. Hello, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Your podcast has just been so informative for so many women, myself included.
1: It's just sort of grown bit by bit over the years and it is like a massive privilege and so lovely when I get a lot of messages that say that, you know, it does help people and it helps me as well, selfishly. So (laughs) win-win.
0: I know you do actually get a lot of people contacting you, don't you, to say Mm. that basically your podcast is their only source of information on pelvic floor health or prolapse. And that's kind of astonishing.
1: It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, so that was one of the many reasons that I wanted to do this in the first place, because through my own experience, I just found it so difficult to find good information Or any kind of support that that talked about prolapse or any other pelvic floor problems. And even though my background is in journalism, I really struggled to kind of work out what was what and, you know, what was real and what was evidence based and and what wasn't. It was just, yeah, I think it's the same with with a lot of postpartum issues. It's just, you know, not enough good information out there and we don't know anything about it right because right from birth we're never told anything about our pelvic floors so um yeah it's a very steep learning curve and I think that's why it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be that people are finding me on the internet on Instagram on podcasts to get this information you know I'm I'm a mum I'm really clear about that I'm not a medical expert but um
0: yeah it's kind of turned out that way it's amazing and it's interesting what you say that you really struggled to find the information because I certainly found, post bottom, that all the information I could find on the internet was either sort of really technical medical journals mm-hmm. that I didn't. I mean, I'm a health journalist, so I do have a background in kind of being able to read those kind of things. But I mean, they are difficult and complicated to understand. Um, but it was either that or kind of advice that you sort of started reading it and you thought, oh, okay, and then you got to the end and realised it was just a plug for a product.
1: Yes, yeah, that as well or just you know some of it's just kind of seemed really wishy-washy it was kind of like i don't know stuff on how to sit better or, or practice meditation or something to heal a physical thing which i didn't really get on board with as much value as i'm sure there is in those kind of practices or like like you say just words i couldn't even comprehend how all this kind of anatomy works i still i still can't there's like a, i mean there's so much going on isn't there but um and then just the basic stuff that you knew you got from a trusted source for example like the nhs website it's just like i understand why that's simplified but actually sometimes you need a bit more you need a bit of a better understanding so for example for a really long time i had this really basic understanding that i had this prolapse because my pelvic floor uh was knackered in a very commas and uh couldn't hold the pelvic organs in place as it should be um and so they descend they sort of bulge into the vaginal walls and that that's where i'm at then for ages i was like okay, so if my pelvic floor is weak, I can just do lots of exercises, then it'll be strong again. Then they'll all go back to where they started from in the first place. But that is not the case. And for ages, it, I just didn't understand why that was the case. And now since speaking to people, I understand that it's because things get stretched, right? Because it's not just that they sit on top of the pelvic floor. They're also suspended by tendons and ligaments and things. And once they're stretched, then no, no amount of strength work. And it's just, it's just so much more complicated than that um but yeah it's really it's hard to get your head around and of course like the fundamental thing for me was that nobody talked about it it's just this massive taboo topic that you just completely on your own with
0: and I think most women perhaps the most information that they get is a leaflet that you get given on the postnatal ward that Mm -hmm. said don't forget your pelvic floor exercises and like you said in in the case where you do have quite a severe prolapse that's actually not particularly helpful what sort of information did you get, if any, after your birth?
1: So it ha- this happened after the birth of my second child. So this was my son. And I'd had a cesarean section with my daughter a couple of years before. And then this was a, a VBAC because I was mm-hmm. determined that I was going to have this amazing vaginal birth. Um, And it didn't quite work out like that. And I did tear. I had a third degree tear. So um, I had surgery straight away for that so I was not in a good way (laughs) and uh I do like the thing I think that I I was like if someone had said to me at that point if you don't look after yourself do pelvic floor exercises you know really take care about how you're lifting straining on the toilet and I'm like I'm not saying some of those things weren't mentioned in some context I'm sure they were but if someone had said like because if you don't your insides might fall out I would have listened to that you know and if I'd gone in to that birth with some sort of understanding of what a pelvic floor was or you know what that damage could mean down the line maybe I would have had a different experience you just you just don't know maybe I would have made different decisions maybe I would have looked after myself better afterwards you just you never know what what could happen but I yeah you do spend a lot of time questioning those things and wondering because I remember sort of being there afterwards, being operated on and thinking, even though I'd had like a third degree tear, you know, even though I was in a really bad way, thinking, yes, did it properly this time. Got the, got the vaginal birth, came out of the correct orifice. So um, I just had no concept of the degree of of injury, really. Of You know, I didn't realise how much damage there was. And I think it just all speaks to how little we understand about our bodies. And this was my second child, you know, I was already a mum. I think it would have been
0: better if I'd known a little more. It's interesting, you say that you've talked about looking after yourself afterwards. What do you mean by that? Did you mean taking more time to rest, not picking up your other child as much, doing laundry, that sort of thing? Did you sort of launch back into all of those things?
1: It's so hard, isn't it? Because with hindsight there's a million things that I would have done differently but I know at the time you are just in the thick of it aren't you with with a newborn and I had a toddler at the time but I think genuinely I didn't have a concept of how uh, badly I, I had torn like what and what that meant for my body unlike after my cesarean after my daughter that was very clear to me I understood I understood that you know I'd had this very serious surgery, and this was a, a wound that I really needed to kind of look after. So yeah, so I, the the two things that happened on the day that I realised that I had this prolapse, which was a couple of weeks after my son was born, I had lifted my toddler from like a seated position, but I felt it; it hurt, and uh, I'd also strained on the loo uh, mm-hmm. to do a poo, which is lovely after you've had a baby. And then and then it was just immediately pretty much after those two things that. Uh, I realized I'd had this prolapse. So I can I can never say that that is why that happened. Um, You know, I, from everything I understand now, there's a million different things that probably led up to that point. Maybe it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Maybe it would have happened anyway. But certainly, you know, you've got a better chance of, of recovering if you do understand what's going on and you take that time to to take better care of yourself. And you said that after you had your C-section
0: you did take care of yourself and you understood that it was a serious surgery and serious wound and you needed to not strain or you could cause permanent damage. But do you think that is because you were given that information after that surgery and you weren't given that information after your third degree tear surgery? Yeah,
1: possibly. It's really hard to say, isn't it? And it's hard to remember because I know, like you said, I definitely had a leaflet or two in amongst all the vast amount of paperwork I was discharged with uh so i can't say for definite that nobody advised these things but it was just really clear i think it was just it's just so visual isn't it you've had a cesarean section you can see the great big scar the wound across your tummy and you know we are or i certainly was so unfamiliar with my own genitals or you know pelvic anatomy that i, I couldn't see the problem and you know i'd given birth vaginally which society tells us is what we're all aiming for and what our bodies are made to do so I genuinely thought that it would be a much quicker recovery and an easier recovery even though I'd had a tear because again I think you go into birth quite often with this idea that um oh everybody tears you know just a few little stitches and and off you go and back to normal but yeah it's not always just a little tear or a few little stitches and even if it is that can be problematic as well so there's just loads loads of layers
0: to it and i'm interested to find out so basically your prolapse happened in 2015 after the birth of your son and in 2018 you went on to instagram as why mums don't jump yeah. so i just wonder what that trigger was that made you think now i'm gonna go on social media and start talking about my insides
1: <laughs> so i i had some treatment for my prolapse after my son was born in the sense that um I ended up having five um, sessions with a physio about a year after he was born. So I kind of learned how to do a pelvic floor exercise properly. And I um, had a bit of emotional support, which is so important because you, when you feel so broken and you can't talk to anyone about it, that's really good to have that. And then that was kind of it. And I was discharged. Uh, so I guess it was about my son was probably about, I want to say about 18 months old. And I was just left with this prolapse and still some twinging from the tear. And uh, I thought that was as good as it was ever going to get. And because I couldn't find, as we talked about, any decent information or, or support around it, I just sort of tried to get on with life, knowing that that was there. And, you know, my understanding at the time and all the advice at the time and often and pretty much still is is kind of don't run, don't jump, don't move, don't lift heavy so I, I really put a lot of restrictions on my life, and I was re- I was really sad. I was really kind of grieving for this mum that I never thought I would. You know, I thought I was going to be and that, and then I never would. And I wanted to be able to just pick my kids up and run around and chase them on the beach, and I just felt like I couldn't do all those things. And I really, I was kind of struggling with it deep down. Like, not that you would know this, I wasn't at crisis point, but it's just um, it's kind of just a shadow that went with me. So I just lived with that for about 18 months, thinking that was as good as it was going to get. And then, um, so I was at, you've probably heard of the Trafford Centre, massive shopping centre on the outskirts of Manchester. Looks a bit like something out of Las Vegas. And there's this big fountain in there where all the mums go and you take your kids and they throw pennies in. And uh, I ended up talking to another mum who I sort of know. And she was talking about the fact that she was off trampolining with her toddler. And then somehow we both were talking about the fact that we both had a prolapse. And it was just a bit of a kind of realization that I can't can't talk about this. This is a conversation that's possible to have. And not just that, but she gave me the number of a, a private pelvic health physiotherapist that she'd been seeing and it just made me sort of realize that maybe there was more I could do to improve my situation. Maybe this wasn't actually as, as good as it could be. And I was coming up to 40, right? I was a few months away from 40. So I was having this kind of slight midlife crisis of uh, assessment of where I was in life and stuff. So I just, yeah, I just wanted to sort of reach out and, and see, I knew I was, I knew that I wasn't on my own. And I think also like there's a level of anger there as well that you can't express these things. So I don't really remember like, Specific moment when I was like, "Hmm, maybe I'll just go on this totally image based social media and uh, discuss my vaginal wars with the world. But I did. I think I was trying to find a way to fix myself and trying to find other people and just have a bit of a vent about the fact that why should we be putting up with these things and and not talking about it? And then as soon as I got on there, you know, pretty quickly hearing from like-minded women who were just kind of you know me too me too and then I got even more annoyed because then we were all like I was like why do we have to hide in the dark corners of the internet why is that the only place where it's okay for us to talk about these things so that just sort of fueled the fire really but I started I did it initially anonymously and then after a few weeks I was like right if I'm gonna sort of encourage people to talk about this if I'm here saying we need to talk about this we need to end this taboo then really I can't do that anonymously so I, I did put my name on it and then the response to that was was massive and wonderful and it made me cry a little bit and I was like this is this is right so we'll just we'll keep moving forwards with it
0: and I think it's so important isn't it that once and I've really found this with talking about postnatal health more generally but once you open that door and sort of say hey you know I had a pretty terrible time did you so Mm -hmm. many women like yes oh my god I want to tell you about my story and just having that platform to you know, whether it's on social media or just being able to feel empowered to talk comfortably with friends about it. It's so important to share, isn't it?
1: That's it. And, and everyone I find has such a similar experience. You know, you go through a really similar sort of range of emotions, certainly with the pelvic floor. there it was like total shock because you never knew this was a thing. You've never heard of it. And suddenly it's affecting your whole life in so many ways, kind of um, shame because there's so much stigma and taboo around the, the most intimate, part of your body you blame yourself right because maybe you didn't do birth properly you didn't prepare for birth properly you didn't give yourself time to heal afterwards you must have done something wrong so there's all this kind of blame and shame and then the guilt that goes with that and maybe like what you can't then do with the kids that you wanted to do with the kids and it's just it's just endless and I think the idea of grief as well that I mentioned the feeling that you've lost who you were before and you'll never be that person again And all of those things that I went through, the women that get in touch so often go through all the same things and we're all dealing with it in isolation, in wherever we are in the world, going through exactly the same thing. And I think once people start talking about that, once people start sharing, then a lot of those feelings immediately lift. You know, the the community of just sharing those stories, it just takes a lot of that weight
0: away. And just knowing you're not alone, yeah it's just it's uplifting and feeling that there are other people that are going through it with you but also I think you know we talk about shame and stigma around these issues and realizing that actually loads of people go yeah. through this and suddenly makes you think oh I'm not a freak I'm not some sort of person with some horrible vagina that is yeah. different from everybody else's actually you know this is very common and it happens to so many people we just don't talk about it
1: it's so powerful I think when you know when we do start sharing like that and then and then that's how things change, isn't it? Because we, so i try to be careful with the, no, the language. I was going to say we normalize it. So there's a whole, obviously, a thing with pelvic floor problems, in particular after babies, that we get told so often it's just normal. It's normal when you have a baby. This is just how it is. Put up with it. Um, and and obviously, like there's a real movement around saying it's not normal. We can get help, okay? Um, but to feel like you are more normal because you're not alone in it,
0: is a really i think healthy and healing thing you mentioned that you had physio was presumably on the nhs about a year after this happened Mm -hmm. what happened between your prolapse happening and you getting that help did you try and seek help were you given any kind of support
1: yeah i mean compared to some of the experiences i've heard from women since i think mine was okay I am um, so I had my third degree tear. I came out of hospital a couple of weeks later. I did the lifting thing, the straining thing, and I felt this bulge in my vagina, which was completely alien to me, even though I was a train wreck down there anyway. Um, I just knew that this was something else. It felt like um I was losing a tampon, you know, that kind mm. of feeling. So um that is probably the first time I really had a proper look uh, at my own vulva. And uh again, I wasn't quite sure what it, things were supposed to look like, especially after having a baby. But um I, again, I could see that things were not as they should be. Um so then I had this like crazy googling experience of just not having any of the terminology and coming across all kinds of pictures that I will never yeah. unsee. <laughs> and then and then realizing that yeah, it was probably this thing called a prolapse. So at the time. Um, I was fortunate in a way because I was still under the care of the midwives and uh, I was able to text my midwife and explain that I believe I'm have this prolapse and should you know is this an emergency I'm thinking should I call an ambulance at this point because the idea that your insides are escaping is pretty kind of terrifying but I didn't I texted her and uh, I made a GP appointment uh, which came through for like a couple of weeks later so I had this couple of weeks where I oh I was, yeah I was just kind of, I was just a mess really and absolutely terrified that one wrong move would see everything spilling out total disaster obviously that's not gonna happen like I do realize now that's not gonna happen but in that at that time it's it's really terrifying so just kind of yeah shuffling around feeling like I was sitting on a doorknob and just so fragile and and you know trying to look after the baby and the toddler and he had feeding problems and it oh sleepless it was just yeah it was hard times so I took myself off to the GP and um she she did do she did do an examination and uh she did agree that it was a prolapse and uh she did kind of slightly begrudgingly well she did she agreed to do a referral, but it was just like I realized now what it was. There was just this total mismatch of expectation because I like I was waiting every day for two weeks for this appointment because I'm like, because this is this is like an awful thing that i felt had happened and i was really hoping for someone to give me some reassurance and, and show me how this was going to be fixed or how we were going to move forward with this and this was the big moment and it felt more like a bit of a shoulder shrug and a kind of a "nah, happens sort of scenario and i and i what i realized now is that she must see women like that every day mm-hmm. to her that's not a big deal to me it was everything and i did feel um I was just massively underwhelmed really with with her response so she um she agreed to do a referral and I went away and then nothing happened and then I, I chased it up a week or, or so later and it hadn't even left the surgery God. um even though she'd agreed to make it urgent because because to me it was you know and it should be actually as well so that just was yeah it was kind of disappointing really and I did change GPs because of that and it's it's not really that's not what I do really that's the only time in my life I've ever done that but I just felt so um kind of hurt by it kind of let let down really that I didn't I just didn't feel supported in any way so anyway I I did get an appointment a few months later I got the referral came through and I did see a urogynecologist um and there was a conversation which is you know and, and this is all a blur right because you've got a tiny baby who has to come with you and you've not slept so, I don't have like a crystal clear recollection of, of what happened and stuff, but I had an examination and it, it basically boiled down to you can have surgery or you can sort of just manage it. And th- those are your options, which is kind of true. But at the time, I like, just felt like it was just so matter of fact. And again, you know, sort of rushed and I didn't feel informed in any way, I didn't have any understanding of what what all this meant. So, that was it. That was, you know, and then the referral for the physio was put in at the same time, but then that didn't happen. Uh, for about another year after that um so it it was okay you know and uh that's yeah it was fine it was better than a lot of women have I think but even that even though I had what I considered to be a reasonably good experience left me feeling rubbish for years so we're not getting it right in so
0: many ways think that's what you said a mismatch is totally the right word this is something that was affecting you so much like you say you felt awful all the time you felt you couldn't do anything you were worried about like whether this is going to be a serious knock-on effect for the rest of your life and have gps and then you know the consultant and physio sort of go yeah you know it it is it's massively undermining isn't it and it sort of makes you think oh have i been overreacting but but you haven't because this is something you know like you're your pelvic organs are in the middle of your body and when something yeah. happens to them it does affect everything that you can do with your body and yeah it's interesting that you said that you change your GP because um, I think that is something as patients we have so little power don't we mm. but actually doing that and finding a GP that understands can be so helpful and that's something that I did as well um, I didn't have a, a prolapse but I had a pelvic bone injury when my son was born um which meant basically I couldn't walk for a really long time oh. and I had a similar thing that I went to see a GP at six week check and you know I was on crutches literally dragging myself in I couldn't walk like 20 meters at that stage and he was sort of like so how are you And I was like well not great I can't walk and I have a six week old baby and he was like no oh. and I just felt like this is like a really big deal to me yeah. like a huge deal and he was like "No." Yeah. And I think there is what you said, the way that the consultant said to you, oh, you can have surgery or you can manage it yourself. Like Sometimes there's no understanding from medical professionals that you have a tiny baby and maybe a toddler, and maybe other children to look after. And you can't just have surgery like, or you can't just carry on living your life unable to look after your child properly because you can't run around or you can't lift your toddler. And I don't know what you think, but I think sometimes medical professionals are quite guilty of just looking at the problem in isolation and sort of mm-hmm. like you have a prolapse that's this degree level of severity and mm-hmm. not looking at the impact on our lives and our ability to look after our children or carry on with our jobs
1: yeah absolutely and I you know I'm not I never want to come across like I'm bashing health professionals you know who are overworked and under-resourced and most of the time doing the absolute best they, they can with their resources and you know in a seven minute time slot or whatever it is but it's just it's so much more than that one conversation in the seven minute time slot because with these kind of problems you're walking in there with no knowledge whatsoever about the issues that are happening and that is that's societal you know that is that is why half of us don't know that our what we thought was our vagina is actually our vulva and uh you know that even prolapse is a thing that can happen or that incontinence is any more than the occasional hilarious leak when you laugh or or sneeze they've they've really got no chance actually if you think about it to really like you say when you've got a baby in the you know in one hand as well they've got no hope really of sitting down and really explaining a whole lifetime's worth of knowledge getting past the taboo and all of those things and then informing you of the potential treatment options and then hoping that you're going to understand it or make a reasonable choice it's just it's so much bigger than that but an an understanding of that would go a really long way I think
0: do you think we need to change the way we talk about pelvic health from the beginning sort of as early as from in schools 100
1: (laughs) this is where this is where I came to because Oh, I kind of hate the word journey, but it it has been a journey since I've posted that first Instagram post. And then, you know, I've learned about it along the way. And I've heard lots of women's stories from people who have written to me, sometimes with huge emails, sometimes with Word documents attached because they haven't had anyone else to tell. Right. And a lot of people will say, oh, we should be told about this in pregnancy. Why does nobody tell us in pregnancy that you could be left incontinent? or with a pelvic floor that's too tight and really painful or that it could lead to painful sex or that you could have a prolapse and your inside could fall out. We should be told in pregnancy about this. Yes, we should. But to me, that's just far too late. You know, we, we should, this just should be part of a normal conversation. You know, you should know the correct anatomical terms for your genitalia in the same way that you know what your thumb is called or your nose. Like it's, it's not a big deal. And I spent the first few years of my kid's life somehow not naming their body parts at all. Like, I don't even know how I, how I managed to do that. But yeah, through the course of learning about this stuff, I just think it's so important because we, if we haven't got the basics down, how are we ever going to be able to get past the embarrassment? How are we ever going to be able to advocate for ourselves? How are we ever going to describe the different pains or symptoms that we're experiencing? And it's no wonder then at that point, we're going to a, a hospital, a doctor's appointment and it's just total blur because we're starting from
0: ground zero. Yeah, I suppose if they're describing surgery and you didn't even know what a pelvic floor was at that point, then yeah. you are on two completely different planes, aren't you?
1: Absolutely. And and for me, like, you know, you know what kids are like. So as soon as I did start teaching my kids the proper terms for things, they don't even bat an eyelid that's just easy for them and it's not a problem and the more they do it the more I do it the easier it is for me so that it's just never been an issue for them um so yeah I think and I hope and I and there is more talk about this now and I I do think that girls and boys in school should have this as part of their general well-being because it's so important and there's so much you can do to like you know look after your pelvic health before you get pregnant and then we can reinforce some of those messages and then we can help people to understand how to look after themselves postpartum absolutely i was just going to ask you very quickly about
0: treatments since you had that nhs physio and then that was sort of what five years ago now and you've tried various other things since then can you talk us very briefly through what you tried did anything work well was anything a complete waste of time
1: Okay, so I guess it's different for everybody, right? So, everybody, for people with prolapse, it, there's a whole spectrum and it can infect, affect you in, in lots of different ways. And I would probably say, in terms of symptoms, mine is at the milder end of the scale. So, the biggest issue for me has always just been the feeling of a, a bulge, sort of. And I would say, like, the level of discomfort is, is if you've got um, knickers that are too small, like too tight or your button on your trousers are too tight. It's just like that constant niggling annoyance and discomfort. So that's been one part of it for me. And then the other part of it has just been, you know, because we don't know enough about how pelvic floors and women with, and, and prolapses are um, affected by a movement and lifting and all of those things. Like the, the broad brush advice is often just to do nothing, protect, protect, protect. So I was living with those two things, the fear of any kind of movement at all, lifting babies, lifting the shopping, certainly running or doing any kind of exercise, sit-ups, all of that kind of stuff. So that was restricted. And then the bulge was the discomfort. So that's what I was living with for a really long time. You will know there are a lot of issues around surgery. It's it's a serious decision and often it's not long-lasting. There can be complications. It wasn't something that was right for me, certainly not at that time and still isn't at the moment. So I did some sort of postnatal fitness training, went right back to basics. It's about three years after I had him, I was doing postnatal kind of pelvic floor exercises. And uh, I did that through a program called um, Holistic Core Restore. And it just gave me the confidence to kind of gradually build up my pelvic floor strength and my core strength. And uh, that sort of starting to understand a little bit more about how improving your muscle tone around your core can help support your pelvic floor because it all works together. Um, And just gradually, gradually, gradually did more and more of that kind of exercise and started to feel fitter again, started to feel less of a bulge and just mentally like so much freer. And over a couple of years, I built up to doing uh, Couch to 5K. I saw a couple of physios privately, um, which I think was really important because I needed that support and I needed them to monitor how I was doing and I got to the point where um, I could run again which was just massive to me because I, ne- I was never like a huge runner before I had my kids but the idea that I, could- I felt like I would never do that again was really heartbreaking to me and I would see people running past I would feel so jealous
0: I totally relate to that
1: <laughs> yeah but and I know that's not that's not even on the cards for some people but I was able to get back to that point and then the other thing that I've tried uh in conjunction with that is pessaries which are these kind of silicon support devices that you wear in the vagina and they sort of hold things up and support things in place and uh I mean that that's been going on for years now I've had appointments here and there the first one I tried was a ring we call it a ring pessary which is kind of the standard issue NHS thing and it basically fell out in the hospital car park on the way the way out of the appointment. Not like not like rolling down the road or anything <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, it's just it was disappointing. Um, so I tried that for a little while. It wasn't really working for me. And then just recently, I've, I've gone back to trying some different shapes and sizes of pessaries because they come in a mind-boggling array of different shapes and sizes. And I feel like just as a kind of like a way to manage things. Conservatively, without really intrusive treatment, if I can find the one that works for me, I think it will be like a bit of a not a silver bullet, but it'll just it'll just be that peace of mind and a bit more comfort. So I have been trying trialing different cubes, but um <laughs> I, oh, I feel like it's such an excuse, but it's true. Life has just been really chaotic, and we're having lots of building work done, and we've got builders in the house all the time at eight o'clock in the morning, and I just can't be like messing about putting pessaries in and out because I have no privacy and my self-care has gone out of the window completely and uh that is just that's just how it is but the difference now is that I feel like with everything I've learned along the way I know I can get back to it and yes I do feel a bit more symptomatic because I'm not on top of my pelvic floor exercises and my exercise more generally and I'm not pursuing the pessary thing as hard as I should right now But I know that I can get back to all of that again. And that's the difference. So it doesn't eat me up as much as it used to.
0: Brilliant. And before you go, I just wanted to ask you one last question, which is if there was one thing that you could change about the world we live in, which would help mothers, particularly help mothers recover after birth, what would it be? There are so many things.
1: Do you know what? I think a really simple and practical thing would be if every mother after having a baby could have just one assessment with a really good pelvic health physiotherapist who you know who knows what they're looking at who can give someone a thorough checkup and then just some really good advice on how to you know improve their situation or get themselves back to being fit and well again. Because that's because that to me like not just physically but mentally that's the waste of all of this for me there are so many women under par mentally and physically because of these problems and I just don't think it has to be like that and I think with a little bit of investment you know we would give people back their lives and give them back to their families and give them back to their jobs and yeah that would be the dream.
0: If you're not already a follower, then please do check out Helen's podcast, Why Mums Don't Jump. It's an absolutely brilliant source of information on all things pelvic health. Now, we weren't allowed to discuss this publicly at the time we recorded the interview, but I'm delighted to be able to say that you'll be able to receive even more of Helen's wisdom because she's writing a book. It's called Why Mums Don't Jump, Ending the Pelvic Floor Taboo. It's released in March 2023, and I'm so excited to read it. You can follow Helen on Instagram at WhyMumsDon'tJump for more details on how you can pre-order a copy. Please remember that this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice. If you have any concerns about your health, particularly about your pelvic floor, then please do go and see a GP and ask for a referral or contact a women's health physio directly thank you so much for listening today please do like us follow us subscribe wherever you get your podcast it helps please the algorithm gods and means more people will get to see and hear what we've got to say about postnatal health if you enjoyed the podcast and you want to leave us a review even better don't forget you can also follow mother bodies on twitter and instagram at mother bodies where you can get highlights from each episode and some sneak previews of what's coming up thanks again and see you next time